0: Alrighty. Well, again, good morning. Uh, My name is Peter. If you're visiting, I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs and it is a great day to be alive. Is it not? We are in week three of six of our blessed life series. And I don't know about you, but I've been getting really, really blessed by this. Some of the best preaching that's ever been in this church. I have to say myself, Uh, We're mostly video screen preaching from Pastor Robert, uh, but I've been really enjoying this time. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet to honor God's word. I have something to share with you before we go to Pastor Robert. This is what leads into what what we're going to be sharing today is this verse that came to mind. This is Jesus speaking and he's being asked by Thomas and a few others of his, of his disciples, just kind of like how life's going to go and, uh, how the end of times is going to go. Like, what's the future going to look like? Anyone ever asked that of God? Like, Hey, what's the future going to look like? You know, how am I going to handle next Tuesday, things like that. Right. Well, they're asking about the way to heaven and things like this. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Now, this sort of exclusive language that Jesus uses about life, it is, it is really uh, offensive and reductionist and narrow-minded, unless it's true. And it is true. Jesus doesn't want to bring you truth only. He wants to be your truth. Jesus doesn't just want to to lead your way. He wants to be your way. Jesus doesn't want to just bless your life. He wants to be your life. And Jesus being your life is the blessed life. Jesus being your life is is the blessed life, and that will shake out, that blessing will shake out in how you handle relationships and money and all those things. In fact, if there's anything that causes you to be averse to talking about, man, Jesus, Bible stuff, getting into my money, my bedroom, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, let me submit that maybe the places that are most uncomfortable for us to handle will bring the most blessing and draw us near to Jesus. I was at the YMCA playing basketball, and uh, this week I had a friend of mine that uh, I've been uh, enjoying basketball with. Someday I want to dunk on him, but I'm working on my vertical leap. But uh, uh, he stops and says, hey, you know, I I think we want to come to church this weekend. And can I just unload just a really bad thought that I had? I remember thinking my first thought was, Well, we're in the middle of a money series right now, but, but no. And I stopped at the, butt, okay, because he would be blessed and he will be blessed probably second service to be here. And if you're visiting here and you're thinking, man, we're talking about money. My first, my first visit, you know what? Praise the Lord. This is for you. Like it's for everyone else. I don't want anyone to miss out on the blessing. The point is, is Jesus wants to be who he is in your life. He doesn't cease to be himself. It's just whether or not we receive him in all parts of our life as he is. He's God and he'll be second to none. He doesn't want to be second in my life or in yours. And so there's something special for everyone here. We're talking about putting God first. First. And I'll come back up after Robert shares his message about uh, the principle of the first. And I'll come back up and close.
1: Well, I want to say welcome to all the campuses, and I want to say welcome to the churches that are joining us by simulcast. We welcome every weekend uh, gateway, but I'd like to just welcome again. Can you welcome uh, 38 churches that are joining us by simulcast right now? So we're very grateful that you're here. And I want you to turn your Bibles to one passage of Scripture. We'll go through some others, but we'll just look at one, Exodus 13. We'll just go to one, Uh, Exodus chapter 13. And uh, as you're getting to Exodus 13, let me just say this. This is, in my opinion, the most important message in the series. We're in the series called The Blessed Life. And this is probably the most important message in the series. The title of this message is The Principle of First. The Principle of First. And I want to make this statement. If God is first in your life, then everything will come into order. Now, I'm not saying you won't have difficulties or problems or go through struggles. Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulation. But would you rather go through tribulation with everything in order (laughs) or everything out of order? And hear me, if Jesus is first, if God's first, everything will come into order in your life. If he is not first, then nothing will come into order in your life. God has to be first for there to be order in your life. So I want to show you this principle because this principle is a principle that runs all through Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation. Here, so let's start. Exodus chapter 13, look at verse one. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. It is mine. It belongs to me. I wish that I could adequately explain to you How emphatic the language is in the Hebrew here, this phrase, it is mine. It is my property. It belongs to me. I'm the owner. It's extremely emphatic. It's very important to understand that when we talk about the principle of first. The firstborn, he says, belongs to me. Okay, now look at verse 12. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Very similar language in the Hebrew, shall belong to God. They'll be the Lord's. But every firstborn, now we'll talk about this, of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. Very important. A donkey will be redeemed with a lamb. Now watch this phrase. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. It's very important to understand that if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. And I want you to apply that as we talk about the first of our finances, the first 10%. He says, if you, don't, if you don't bring it to me, you're going to lose it. You're still going to lose it. It's going out of your account. Watch this. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. All right, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now that's a longer point than I normally have. And so we'll make sure and leave it up long enough for you to be able to, to write it down. The firstborn must be there. There, there the, I, I, I prayed over this language before, uh, whether I should say it this way, but according to scripture, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's the principle here in the old Testament that is referring to a principle that goes all through the Bible. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay. But how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives two animals, which are exemplary of of categories of animals. He, he, He gives us the donkey and the lamb. Okay. The donkey represents unclean animals and the lamb represents clean animals. So how do you know which to do? Well, if it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed, the firstborn. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Let me say that one more time. If it's clean, firstborn. I'm hoping you kind of get ahead of me on this and understand what this represents. If it's a clean and it's firstborn, it has to be sacrificed. If it's unclean... It has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Okay, Why, how in the world does this relate to us today? Well, let me ask you two, two questions, all right? First of all, were you and I spiritually born clean or unclean? In other words, when we were born in the natural, our spiritual state before God, were we born into this world where we clean or unclean? unclean. We were all born in sin, right? I can prove it by simply asking the experts here, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? (laughs) Or did that come naturally for them? See, we have to teach them to be good. Is that right? Because we're all born with a sin nature. That's, that's what the Bible says. All right. So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean clean Clean. okay listen to me listen very carefully the clean jesus the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed that's what we just read (laughs) that's how important this principle is And we're going to see that this principle refers to tithing. But I want to say something to you that maybe you've never thought of. Jesus is God's tithe. Because you see, you give the tithe first. You don't pay your bills and see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first. It's the first 10%. It's not just 10%. It's the first 10% because it takes faith to give the first. See, God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one before you have any more. You don't know if the sheep's going to produce any more. That takes faith. God didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. No, he said, you give me the first one before you have any others. See, so many people think it's not the 10% that enacts the blessing it's the faith that enacts the blessing it's giving the first 10% and the reason I say that Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first he didn't wait to see if we would clean up or straighten up to give his son God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross Romans says it this way while we were yet sinners Christ died for us And Romans also said this way, that God gave Jesus in hope. In hope. And that word, the root of that word is faith. In faith, we give our tithe in faith. So it's the first 10%. Think about this. When the children of Israel went into the the, uh, promised land, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of God it's always into the house of God. It's always where the tithe goes. But why didn't he say 10% of Jericho? It's very simple. Because Jericho was the first city. That's simple. He said, bring the first into the house of the Lord and the rest are redeemed. They're out from under the curse. They're blessed. See, the first portion has the redemptive, is the redemptive portion. The Please hear me. When you give the first to God, the rest are redeemed. That's what this is saying. So hear me clearly. (laughs) Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company. Because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. The first portion, first 10%, goes to God. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. Again, I want to just key in on these words, must be. According to uh, this principle that works all through Scripture, the first fruits must be offered. You can stay there in Exodus 13, look at Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Bonuses, everything. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay. This says to honor the Lord with the first of our increase. I just want to just make a note here. This is in Proverbs. This is not the law. This is not under the law. This is hundreds of years after the law. This is a principle that runs all through scripture. Let me show you another scripture. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. I kinda like that phrase because it's like God is saying, Listen closely if you don't know what first means. (laughs) The first of your first fruits, of the first fruits of your land. Now watch these words, you shall bring, that's an important word, bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now we we saw last weekend about Malachi, he said, bring the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe always comes to the to the church. You, don't, you can't divide your tithe. You can't designate your tithe. You can't give it somewhere else. But I want you to notice the word bring. The reason God uses the word bring instead of the word give when he talks about tithing is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You have two choices according to Scripture. And I know this is strong, but I've studied this for over 30 years now. You have two choices when it comes to the tithe according to Scripture. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are the only two choices. There's no other choice according to Scripture. They either brought it or they stole it. Remember when God said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho? That Achan kept some. And of course, the next city, then they lost the battle until they brought it to the house of God. But here was the point. In, in Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated or set apart. Same thing he called the firstborn. But in Joshua 7, once Achan took it, he said, Israel has stolen from me, And they're cursed. They're cursed. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God. It's cursed if you leave it in your bank account. Here's a real simple, straightforward question. Why would you want something cursed in your bank account? I mean, it has enough problems. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want your bank account blessed? See, it takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed... And blessed will go farther than a hundred percent cursed. It takes faith, so you give the first. Um, uh, when I was in college, one of the uh, students asked one of the professors, "Why did God accept Abel's offering and He didn't accept Cain's?" And the professor said, "You know, I, I really don't know." And for some reason, I've always remembered that. But when the Lord showed me this principle of firstborn and firstfruits it's, you actually will see why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's. Watch Genesis four verses three, three, five. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say that he brought first fruits He just brought an offering in the process of time. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected, or this word could be received, Abel and his offering. Notice the persons received too, not just the offering. But he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. It's it's simple, isn't it? Cain was a farmer. He didn't bring first fruits. Abel was a rancher. He brought firstborn. God said, I'll accept that. I will not accept that. Then accept it. Now, I'm going to take you a little farther in this. And that is that it's not just that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. There are some things God can't do. God can't act outside of himself. He can't act outside of his character. One of the greatest studies you could ever do would be the attributes of God. To know who God really is. Okay, so let me, let me tell you a a few things that God can't do. Uh, Number one, God can't change. He can't change. This is called the immutability. This would be the doctrinal theological word, the immutability of God. It's impossible for God to change. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better and God can't get better because he's perfect. So God can't change. Uh, the second thing God can't do, I'll just give you, give you some examples, is that God can't think the way we think. Now, I'll clarify that because we know the Bible talks about the thoughts of God, but that actually proves this theology. God can't think the way we think. Let me just just uh, help us with this. Um, we, the reason God can't think the way we think is because this is, here's the theological word, omniscient omniscience the omniscience of God break it down it's two words omni science science means knowledge omni means all God has all knowledge so the reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out God's not trying to figure anything out let, let me say it another, another way when we're talking about God's thoughts nothing has ever occurred to God God has never said, you know what I just thought of. <laughs> I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that. You know why? Because he knows everything at the same time. Hey, I, I have a, a new little thought on this. Uh, when we talk about that God, nothing's ever occurred to God, let me, let me say it another way. <laughs> God has never heard something and said, oh, my self. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't say, oh my God, he'd say, oh my. okay, all right, so. <laughs> so God, God can't think the way we think. Now, when I said God can't think, you might have remembered a scripture and thought, wait, there's a scripture that talks about, uh-huh, that proves this. Here's what the scripture says in Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. As the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. That's what he's saying. Okay, so there's some things God can't do. Let me tell you how this relates to this. God can't be second. He can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. You know, you've heard of eminence, but God is preeminent. That means he's not only first of all, he's before all. He's higher than all, he's above all, he's first, he's before all. So God is First. Now, we, we, when our lives, we talk about putting God first and that's good because we do need to put God first in our lives. But I just want you to know something. Even if God's not first in your life, he's still first. You didn't rearrange his order in the universe. He's still preeminent. So God can never be second. So this is why I'm telling you the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because God's always first and Cain did not bring a first offering. God said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't accept a second place offering because I'm always in first place. I can't accept it. Now we need to think about that when it comes to the tithe. You remember, uh, I said, Jesus is God's tithe. And I said to you last weekend, because we talked about giving to, to the bride of Christ. And I said that tithing is probably more personal to Jesus and what we think. Okay. I want you to think about this. If Jesus is God's tithe, Tithing might be a little more personal to the Father, also, than what we think. See, it represents who's first in your life. You, you can, and I'm, again, I know these, some of the things I'm saying are strong, but you can tell me all day God's first in your life. But well, let me see your bank account. Now, I'll tell you who's first. It, it might be Nordstrom's. Okay, ladies, let me hit the guys. It might be Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> Where does the first 10% go? That's who's first. All right, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstfruits must be offered. Here's point three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 2730 says, and all, I want you to notice the word all, and all the tithe of the land, all of it whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. There's the emphatic phrase again, belongs to God. It is, it, God set it apart for himself. And that's what the next phrase says. It is holy. That word holy is the word that simply means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. That's why it's stealing because he set it apart to himself. And that's why it has to be first because God's first and he owns it. So in, order, in other words, if we're going to return it, we have to return it first. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, and it's a math illustration. Okay. So I'm warning you. So half of you can take a nap. All right. Um, I understand that you're, you're strong in other subjects, math and English. I'm strong in those subjects. Uh, you know, I, I like gr- grammar, you know, and, uh, someone who watches our television program sent me a, a thing that said, I am a little sign for me to hang up my house that said, I am silently correcting your grammar right now. And I said to Debbie, I said, look at this. Do you like this? She said, yeah, except uh, you don't do it silently. (laughs) So I like math and English. My father is actually a mathematical genius. And that's no exaggeration. He's a genius when it comes to that. I'm I'm not, I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying. If you, if you name some numbers, they're going to add up and I'm I'm not going to try to do it. It's just going to happen. That's the way I think. Um, we, we were, Debbie and I were buying something a while back and it was $7 and 99 cents. And the lady said, "Uh, I'll have to add the tax on the uh, calculator because the cash register's broken. And I said, it's 66 cents, like that. And she said, excuse me, I said, 66 cents. She looked at her a minute, then she did this. She said, "Uh, it's 66 cents. (laughs) I want to say, yes, I know that. But I did. I said, okay, so paid for it. We got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? How, How do you do that that fast? Now, I thought she was actually asking me how I did it. I found out later she couldn't care less how I did that. She was just, you know, paying me compliment as a, a wife honoring her husband, but she asked, "How do you do that?" So I said, "Well, sugar, uh, 799 is close to eight, Our tax rate is 8.25, eight times eight is 64, quarter of eight is two, 64 plus two is 66." I said, "That should happen in less than a second in your mind." She said, "It doesn't." But then she said but I know what 25% off is. (laughs) So again, now being the man, you know, I'm thinking she's talking math. I did not realize till after the whole conversation, she was not talking math, but I said to her, okay, if you're buying something for a hundred dollars and it's 25% off, I said, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. (laughs) And then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, what? She said, yeah, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So it's free. It's 50% off. It's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. Which explains some difficulties we've had over the years with our checkbook. I saved us money today. You ever heard that one? <laughs> well, how come we lost? Okay, so um, so I'm going to give you a math illustration, and so half of you can check out, all right, just for a moment. It's not a, a tough one either, right? Let's say that you're a landscaper, and you uh, come to our home, and Pastor Albert, um, um, you know, I'm, I, I call you, and I say, listen, uh, I'd like to add some trees and some plants and some Okay, let me make this uh, illustration realistic. Debbie would like to add some plants and some trees and some flowers and things, you know. And so you give me an estimate. You say, now this is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor it will be. And my profit will be $1,000. You need to know the tithe is on the profit. It's not on all of this. It's on the increase, your personal increase, personal income. That's what we tie on, okay? So, um, so you say, are you agreeable to this whole price? I say, yes, I am. So after you do the job, I pay for all your materials, all your labors, and then for your profit, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have a thousand dollars in your hand. Okay. So this is the math part, right? So you have a thousand dollars. Let me ask you two questions. All right. A thousand dollars. The word tithe remember, means 10%. So how much is the tithe? hundred dollars. All right. I know some of you still okay, carry those. Okay. But that's all right. That's okay. All right. So it's a hundred dollars. That's right. But you have $100 bills in your hand. So which one is the tithe? The first one. Yeah, okay. The one on top. Someone said, all right, let me say it to you a different way, all right? It's the first one that leaves your hand. That's the tithe. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for utility, some for clothes, and here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. Because here's what a lot of people do. Okay, let me set aside some for this and this and this, and oh, there's not enough leftover For God, can I say something nicely to you, but firmly, he wouldn't accept it anyway, because our God does not accept leftovers. Matter of fact, he says it in Malachi, he says, you bring me the blind and the, and the lame animals, and I do not accept them. I accept the first. That's all I accept. Okay. So how, how does this work out in my own life? I get paid on the 15th and 30th. And, uh, or the last day of the month, 30th or 31st, and it's directly deposited. So it's like it magically appears, you know, in my account. So what I do on the 15th and the last day of the month is while I'm having my quiet time in the morning, before I do anything else, I go online and, and that's the way now I think it's just easiest to give online. I go online and I, uh, send the tithe to Gateway Church. And for us, many of you know, it's a double tithe. It's been since 1985, God spoke just to do 20% to the local church and then give over and above that. So for us, it goes to, and what we do, by the way, is to let you know 10% is the tithe. We give 10% extra to heart for the kingdom every year. So that's how we can kind of estimate it when we come to that. Part of the of the year, which will be in, in a few months, we'll come to that part where we all get to make a commitment over and above our tithe. So we, I send that on the fifteenth and the thirtieth. Okay. So what happens though if I I have an early morning meeting and um, I kind of rush out, I don't have my quiet time that day, and I get home that night and I think, oh, it's the fifteenth, I, I forgot to do the tithe, and I go in and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, what I do? I don't say, oh, it's great sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> It's great. I mean, you gave the tithe to Kroger's and so we're cursed now. No, because I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic either. I'm not trying to give you a legalistic principle today. I'm trying to give you a principle that's about your heart. Where's your heart? God knows my heart and he knows your heart. Where's your heart? So the first 10% goes to the house of God. Now, Exodus 13 Let me show you one more scripture, and and then we're finished, all right? We stopped a while ago at verse 13, so let's pick it up at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Okay, in other words, he's saying one day your son's going to ask you, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons, I redeem. Okay. I want you to, let's just bring this up to modern day. Let's think about this. The son, uh, goes away to college. He gets his degree. He comes back. His dad says, Hey, one thing I like you to do is take over the books And so one day, the son is sitting in there, and he's got the books in front of him. Dad comes in from the field, and the son says, "Uh, Dad, um, uh, sit down, Dad. Uh, You know, you asked me to, you know, take over the books and uh, the business and all. And, Dad, I've been going over the books. And, um, Dad, um, I want want to talk to you about something. Um, You might not even know you do this. You know, Dad? Uh, we all have blind spots, you know, so n- not accusing you, just, just talking numbers now. Um, but dad, um, e- every time uh, w- one of our animals has a, a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. <laughs> and uh, dad, uh, I think it's getting out of hand uh, with you because you, you, you killed 72 animals last year. And um, um, we're, we're in the ranching business, dad. And uh, this is cutting into our profits. So, why do you do that? He said, one day your son's going to ask you. And he said, when he asks you, you say to your son, son, um, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. But we weren't always in the ranching business. We, we did not own animals. We didn't own land. Son, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our increase. Now, this was written 4,000 years ago. And this principle happened to me. Uh, When Josh was kind of getting old enough to understand numbers and all and he has this mathematical mind like I do and like his grandfather and so one day I was paying the bills now we didn't have online back then and so what I would do is I would write the check first and then I would set the check the tithe check and then I would settle over the side and then I would pay the bills but I'd always write the tithe check first and set it over the side and then take it with me to church by the way for you young people we used to have pieces of paper called checks (laughs) (laughs) all right so I said settle over So I'm paying the bills and Josh came in and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. And he's reading this tithe check and he sees the amount, which to a, a young boy looks like a lot of money. And he says, dad, why are you giving so much to the church? And I remember this scripture when your son asks you, this is what you tell him. And I took Josh and I actually set him on my lap and I said to him, I need to tell you something about Daddy that you don't know. But Daddy wasn't always a Christian, son. And Daddy was a very bad man and daddy was in bondage but god with a mighty hand redeemed your daddy and gave us everything we have now therefore i gladly give to god the first of all of my increase This is a principle that's all through Scripture. It's called the principle of first. Is God first in your life?
0: A similar story like this happened for me about 15 years ago. I grew up in central Oregon. Uh, I call it the heart of Caucasia. Uh, just a lot of white folks around, and I didn't know how limited my viewpoint of people was until I went to college. Now, just to rewind a little bit, I, I, I came to know Jesus in high school. But as you're going to hear, uh, I still had some growing to do four years later, similar to how I still have some growing to do now, 19 years after coming to know Jesus. I go to Southern California to play baseball in a small college there. And the janitor of our dorm room Uh, first Mexican man I'd ever had a real conversation with is about a 50-year-old man named Sergio. Uh, And I remember thinking I was so cute making fun of his accent to my friends around me. And I'd say things, he would be like, he'd be like, hey, do you need this or that? How are you guys doing? And I'd be like, no, dumbhead, or something like that. Thinking it was really fun to be racist, right? Thought it was so cute. About three weeks later, Sergio takes me aside. And he, out of compassion to me, he didn't want me to keep uh, doing things that was hurtful to me. Out of compassion to me, he confronted me. He said, "Uh, uh, Peter, um, sometimes you say things and you think I don't understand what you're saying. And you need to know I understand everything you're saying and it's okay, I love you and I forgive you. The next time I saw him he invited me to church. And you better believe I went to church. Now, where I come from, church is a 68 minute experience. Then I'm like, "Come on now. Let's go." After three services and two meals in an 11 hour period of time, in a language I had never heard before, by the way. Every once in a while some of them kind of knew a little bit of English. And Sergio would come and help me a little bit, but after this period, I was so fascinated by the richness and the faith that I'd never seen. And I started to get, go every weekend and hang out with Sergio, started to learn Spanish. I had to learn the Spanish because there was something about Jesus that these people, it was compelling about the richness they lived their lives with. So Spanish for me is what I had to learn to figure out what of the kingdom that I was missing. That's where I started to learn Spanish. After about three months uh, of growing in my faith with Sergio, I thought I could teach him a little lesson because I watched how he lived his life. Man, this guy, he had all sorts of rules he followed. He was so serious about his tithing and giving to the church. And I knew this guy. He lived, he rented out a tiny bedroom in a tiny house in East L.A. And so I wanted to take Sergio inside. And then I said, Sergio, why do you do all this stuff? Why do you tithe like this? Why do you give? And you're so extreme about all these things. And he breaks down and looks at me and he starts crying. And he, he tells me, Jesus saved me. And I said, you know, I know, I know, I know. But, but why do you have to do like, like, these are some serious rules. Like, I want to help you with, you know, with legalism here is what I thought. And he stopped me and said, no, 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 you don't understand. Jesus saved me. He proceeds to tell me the story about how he used to live in Guaymas, Mexico, a pretty uh, big city where he was the irrigational engineer of his city, uh, made a lot of money, and because of different corruption, he, he had actually added on a lot more money. And he became a drunkard and lost his family there. He heard the audible voice of God uh, after losing his family. To, told him, God told him, go and live with your aunt in the United States. Anytime you hear the audible voice of God, you should probably obey. He goes to L.A., crosses the border, and he hears God say, you're going to live a life of freedom and no more smoking, no more drinking. He's like, okay. He said that was the last time he heard that voice. He, He proceeds to tell me a story, and he says, I used to be rich, and now I'm poor. But listen, it's really the other way around. I used to be poor, and now I'm rich. says, now I'm prosperous. This is prosperity. He faithfully tithed. He faithfully. Now I want to tell you, since then he's gotten three promotions and he has his own house. But listen, I need you to know this. That's a principle of how God's taking care of him. But he was prosperous when he was in that one bedroom that he was renting out from this lady. He was rich. And the principle of God has helped him to grow in that richness and to know that Jesus being first is everything of the blessing of God. So my my question to you is, as you process these things and as we go to growth groups and we're processing processing some of these things, but is God really first in your life? There are some really sensitive things that we have to process in groups. My question to you is, is God first in your life? If your bank account answers for that. What does it say? If your schedule is the only thing that can answer for that. What does your schedule say? Do you love God? And furthermore, if you do, let's remember why. Why do I love God? Because he first loved us. 1 John 4:19. I love God, he first. The principle of first Would you pray with me? God, help us to love you back. That we were dead and we were slaves. And now we can be free in knowing you. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never surrendered to you and had the first experience of faith, Lord, I pray that even now as we're praying, uh, on 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 a day that they can tell their grandkids of in the future, I was set free on a day. They were talking about money in church and I gave my life to Jesus. And now my life is this way. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do in this moment. And I pray that all of us would process the freedom of putting you first in everything, hinging off of the trust that you first loved us. And Lord, I pray that in a holiday season that we would enter into this season and not be driven by all the excesses of American culture, but that we would be driven by the most rich season ever, that we would tell our kids and grandchildren about this season, that that in 2016, God changed something about the way we spent money, the way we celebrated the holidays, that we would see true blessing sourced to moments like these. We pray this for your kingdom and your power and your glory. Amen.